Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Peter is a 62-year-old former smoker with COPD. For the past three days, he's been having increasing shortness of breath. He usually produces some phlegm, and he states it's about the same or maybe worse, and sometimes the color is a bit more yellow than white, but not all the time. He does feel more tired, though. He's had no fever or chills and is otherwise feeling about the same. His exam today is significant only for a pulse ox of 92%, and you do hear some wheezing throughout his lung fields, but no rails. You decide to treat him with prednisone, but you wonder if he needs an antibiotic. Hi, this is Frank Domino, family physician and professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today to discuss the treatment of COPD in the outpatient setting is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor of Dynamed. Alan, thanks so much for coming today. Thanks, Frank. Happy to be here. So Peter's a fairly common patient, um, 62-year-old with COPD, and it sounds like he's about to have an acute exacerbation. Can you talk a bit about um, what the current treatment recommendations are for treating COPD exacerbations? Sure. So patients who have exacerbations of COPD generally are going to need some type of beta agonist. They may need other inhalers such as ipotropium, but uh, they also will need an anti-inflammatory, which is typically a steroid, and you know I think prednisone is very commonly used. And then some patients uh, may benefit from antibiotics, but while in the past we may have treated everybody with antibiotics, there's certain uh, evidence and suggestions that maybe that isn't necessary. There are a couple of guideline groups that have issued guidelines on this. One is the uh, Global Initiative for Chronic Obstructive Lung Disease, or which is known as the GOLD criteria, and then also the American College of Physicians has, has weighed in on this. And both of them uh, have indicated that not everybody who has a COPD exacerbation needs antibiotics. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I think that that seems like a, a change for many of us. So can you tell me about the role of antibiotics in COPD? Sure. So when someone's having a COPD exacerbation, there are three cardinal symptoms or signs. One is increased wheezing. Another is uh, increased sputum volume. And the third is increased sputum purulence. And if you ha- certainly if you have all three of those, you uh, should be on antibiotics. If you have only two of those, uh, it, there's recommendations that say one of them should be increased purulence. So if you have increased sputum purulence and you have either wheezing or increased volume of sputum, then the, rec- the guideline groups would recommend putting someone on antibiotics. The problem is that this requ- relies on people to say, well, what's my normal amount of sputum? How much has it changed? This is inherently subjective, and so many clinicians feel a little uneasy about well, am I erring in giving antibiotics when I shouldn't or the other way around? Should I be giving antibiotics, but because I'm talking to a patient who tends to minimize things, it sounds like they're not doing that badly. And, and obviously people are worried about both under and over treatment. 
So how do we decide if the clinical criteria are not met, whether to use an antibiotic or not? Is there anything new that we can use? Well, there have been some, some studies trying to look at adjunctive testing to see can that help. So for instance, you could look at a white blood count. But honestly, white blood counts are not very good at distinguishing who benefits from antibiotics from who doesn't. We would assume that many of these are triggered by viruses, but there, of course, may be bacterial superinfection. And so there are a couple of tests that tend, that, whose purpose is to distinguish viral from bacterial infections, such as procalcitonin. And people have looked at using procalcitonin testing uh, at the point of care in order to help guide antibiotic therapy. I don't think procalcitonin is widely available, so it's still, in my opinion, pretty much in the research realm, and it really isn't something that most clinicians I'm familiar with are using. Something, a test that is more widely available is CRP, and there was a recent uh, paper looking at the use of CRP to help decide whether someone would benefit from antibiotics or not who has a COPD exacerbation. This was published uh, in the New England Journal recently. What they did was they provided some guidelines that basically said, we'll do point of care CRP testing. If the level is less than 20, the patient probably doesn't need antibiotics. If it's over 40, they should get antibiotics. And between 20 and 40, look at the patient, make up your mind, and you know, use your judgment. And what did they find? What, what they found was that this led to a significant decrease in the amount of antibiotics that were prescribed. It was about 22% wow. uh, absolute percentage points, not relative risk. And there's a reduction in antibiotics that were used both at the first visit and over the course of the four weeks following the first visit. So it wasn't as if, okay, we didn't give someone antibiotics, and then they come back a week later or three days later, and you have to treat them then. So it seemed like this did allow optimal treatment in a way that could reduce uh, the use of antibiotics and the risks associated with the, the use of antibiotics. Um, remind us briefly, what are some of the risks associated with antibiotic use in this population? Well, it's, it's in this population and every population. First of all, you know, number one I always think of is C. diff. And you know, getting clostridium uh, diarrhea is no fun for anybody. People with COPD tend to be older. And when older patients get C. diff, they often wind up being hospitalized. And uh, it can take them longer to clear it. So that's one risk, obviously allergic reactions. You know, for many years, pa patients would come in with a cough and they'd say, well, what's the harm in giving me an antibiotic? And I think over the last 10 to 15 years, we have seen one antibiotic after another with uh, significant harms associated with it. Many antibiotics, uh, such as the macrolides, will be associated with QT prolongation. That can kill your patient, okay? Um, you have the fluoroquinolones. When they were first introduced, they seemed so benign. Now there's a whole host of uh, adverse effects, uh, most notably uh, tendon ruptures, but that's not the only uh, adverse effects. They do have cardiac and neurologic uh, adverse effects. So really, you don't want to be giving your patients antibiotics if they don't need it. Um, I want to quickly ask you, how readily available is getting a CRP in the ambulatory setting? How do we go about doing that? So. This is a point-of-care test, and in, in theory, you can get results in two or three minutes, which will give you information in, in a timely enough fashion that you could use it to help decide what to do while the patient's still there, which is clearly the goal. It is not a clear-waved 
test. So you're going to have to have a formal lab uh, available to you, whether it, you know if you're in a large group practice or uh, uh, some kind of health center that has an on-site lab, then you could probably get it done fairly easily there. But if you're in a small office and you're just doing uh, simple clear wave tests, then this is not ready for you yet. Or you could order it, and if it comes back high the next day and the patient doesn't seem that critically ill, you could... Yeah, it's not even the next day. You could send them to an outpatient lab and get the results presumably within an hour. Yeah, that's great. Um, Peter's used to getting antibiotics every time he coughs and wheezes. How do we go about explaining to him this change in practice? I think you need to spend some time, and not a lot of time, because I, I do this with patients frequently, but you're talking about two or three minutes where you explain that there has been a change. You need to validate that the way they were treated before was according to our best understanding of what to do at that point in time, but we've become more aware of some of the dangers of antibiotics, and I think patients are aware of that as well. Many patients will say, uh, you know, I'm worried I'm going to become immune to antibiotics. I will try and educate them that that's not quite how it works, but their idea is, is a reasonable approximation of a valid concern uh, of harboring more resistant organisms. Alan, I think this is a practice changer. Thanks so much for, for, for telling us about this paper. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. Use of CRP in the ambulatory setting may help us decide when antibiotics are needed in patients with acute COPD exacerbation. Join us next time when we talk about the findings of dense breasts on routine mammographic screening and how to use that information to counsel patients. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.